Welcome to the Give to Profit podcast, the podcast that inspires business owners, entrepreneurs and leaders to turn their business into a profitable force for good. During our bi-weekly episodes, you'll hear business leaders and entrepreneurs share how they put charitable giving and social impact at the heart of their business and the many benefits that come from doing this. You can find full show notes for today's show and join our member community at givetoprofit.com where you can also sign up to receive regular business giving tips. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and Stitcher and it would be great if you could make it easier for people to find us by leaving us a rating and review there or on Facebook. For every review we receive, we give a child in Cambodia access to a day of education. So now here's your host, business mentor, speaker and best-selling author, Alison McKenzie. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Give to Profit podcast show. This is your host, Alison McKenzie. And once again, I'm delighted to be here with you again today. Thanks for tuning in. And one of the things I love about doing this podcast is the way that the focus of the show and the guests who appear on it unfold organically. You know, there are some themes and guests that I've known from the start that I really wanted to get on the show and some topics that I've wanted to cover and discuss. But other times it can be a really casual comment or a story or a film on the internet that leads me to find people doing incredible things around the world. And today I'm interviewing someone that I've been introduced to through one of our other podcast guests, Duncan Ward. And if you have listened to me interviewing uh, Duncan, which I thoroughly recommend you do, then that was a couple of episodes ago. He mentioned somebody who was raising funds for his organization, Classrooms of Hope, by running a challenge in Bali. And it just sounded such an incredible feat that I asked Duncan to introduce me to the guy who had done this. So today I'm delighted to be interviewing Tom Hickman, who is the founder of Bali Hope Ultra. We're going to be discussing how his desire to help out and support Duncan's cause in Classrooms of Hope and the work that he's doing there has turned into a business that's a force for good. So welcome, Tom. Thanks very much. Really good to be here, Alison. Yeah, it's, um, it's a pleasure to be talking all the way from Bali to you in beautiful Scotland. Yeah, no, fantastic to chat. And we've had some conversation before we did this podcast. So it's just really good to connect with you. And I always like to start this podcast off with inviting my guests to just share their stories. In other words, how have you come to be doing what you're doing today? It's a great question. I guess I started, I've been in Bali for four years now. I, I'm 45, originally from London, and my background's in entrepreneurship and management consultancy. And I actually came to Bali originally for two months, for a two-month holiday after I'd come out of the marriage and advanced the change of scene. And two months turned into nearly four years now. And my Bali experience, I mean, I guess my Bali experience is pretty common. A lot of people come here on holiday and then stay. And how I got into doing this Bali Hope Ultra, this overnight double marathon that, I'm, that I ran last August and am now organizing with 15 people who are coming in from all over the world to run it in May, was one a chance encounter with Duncan in, in a cafe that I'd invested in, ticking another kind of expat cliche of opening a restaurant. And chance encounter with him when I'd already developed a running, my running hobby into an attempt to make a positive impact with it. Um, I was looking for something to give me more meaning and a way to justify my existence in Bali, which where our lifestyles can be pretty self-intelligent and pretty comfortable, which is great for a period of time. And after that, I think 
by any of us. If, if we're on holiday for too long, we start to get a bit bored and a bit kind of soft. So, yeah, I guess um, it's more to it than that. But that was um, a chance encounter and a bit of a, a desire for, for deeper meaning. Yeah. So, I mean, had you run businesses and things before, before you decided to embark upon this? Yeah. I, so, I, so I went to University of Edinburgh and I read politics and I, and I always wanted to avoid corporate life and mainstream life. I, I did work for the BBC for a little bit and then but pretty early on in, in my career, I started my own businesses and got, in, got involved in various ventures, um, mainly in London, but also um, I helped launch an internet company in South America way back in 1996. I'm just still going. So, I, so I've been in entrepreneurship on and off. And I think as I came through my 20s and into my mid-30s, I got a bit dissatisfied with, with business purely for a profit motive, partly because mm. I wasn't necessarily that good at it. But I just wanted something a bit deeper. I started to get involved in social enterprise in my late 30s, um, trying to help disadvantaged kids in the UK be more entrepreneurial in their transition from school to employment. I really enjoyed that, but it was hard to find a kind of sustainable model and so I came to Bali with a bit of a background in social entrepreneurship and then a, a kind of business background too. In I did an MBA at Cranfield School of Management. And I guess I was always looking for something that would bring business, but also a kind of sense of real purpose and positive impact together. And I think, I guess I've got lucky that to, I think I've found it now. So that, that's a really good feeling. Yeah, and it's really interesting, isn't it? I mean, I know we were having a little conversation before we went live with this interview about how for some of us, we can spend so much of our time feeling disconnected to fitting into the mould of what everybody else is trying to teach us to be and the way that they suggest we make a living or run a business. And quite often, it's very typical for those of us who really want to do good in the world and the whole the traditional way of doing business just doesn't work for us. So it's great that you've got to a point now where you feel that this is it's coming together. Yeah, it's been, it really does feel like that. It really, really does feel like that. And I think, I guess one view I've got now, having been away from London for four years, is how much I was kind of programmed into thinking that the growing revenue and how many staff you've got and how many clients you've got are all the kind of key metrics. And since I've been here, it's really, for me, more about my sense of purpose. Relationships I have with my partners, a sense of balance in terms of my lifestyle. I kind of look back at my previous life in London and slightly cringe. Mm. I think I was trying to kind of feed my ego. And I guess in London, you have to kind of earn more money because it's an expensive place. But now I just feel I'm just enjoying being an entrepreneur so much more because I just feel really making, starting to make a really good impact and also just enjoying the journey. And being engaged in something that does have a positive impact means the relationships I seem to be forming just seem to be really generative and collaborative and win-win and just kind of happy relationships. There's not, it's not, there's none of this kind of win-lose thing that I think I experienced in business life in London. So yeah, I feel really lucky. Yeah, and I can totally relate to that. And that's one of the things I quite often talk about to people about how when you really connect into what's important to you, and you put that in the, at the heart of your life or your business, the people that you tend to connect to have very similar values. And those experiences are just so much more enjoyable. Yeah, it's, yeah. Kind, of, it's kind of to the extent where it's like a little bit like, this is kind of weird. How many <laughs> how many great people you start attracting and then how generous the more generous you are the more generous they are and it's kind of you just start really building kind of you know one plus one equals six rather than you, know, you start to really build the synergy and, and everybody's enjoying it and everybody wants to contribute more and then everybody starts to win and it's and that is just very cool to see that that's possible because I think maybe I grew cynical and just didn't even think that was possible so 
Yeah, exactly. And it is definitely possible. So before we get into what you're doing now, I wonder if you could just talk us through what was it? Because for some of our listeners, they won't know what you did in terms of that first run that you did. And how did you come up with that idea? Talk well, us through that. I mean, I think a lot of good things come out of a kind of painful moment. I'd actually just broken up with a girlfriend and and I had that kind of post breakup feeling of like, oh, you know, just kind of that slight sense of emptiness when you break up with someone and disappointment and I remember a really clear moment. I, I thought, like, in this moment, I can either go to the local in Bali, buy a couple of cold lagers and a more lights and kind of drown my sorrows, numb myself out, or I can put my running shoes on and go for a run in the jungle. And luckily, I put my trainers on. And I went for a kind of 12K run, and I just felt really good through doing that. And then I just followed, kept on. I just followed that through. And then I heard about a guy, an expat in Bali, who broke his neck just in a freak accident. And I thought, okay, well, there was one run I always wanted to do in Bali, which is from Ubud, which is in the center down to the coast. And it was about a 30K run. So not not that far. It's about 20 miles. I thought, hang on, I'm going to do that run and try and raise money for this guy. So I did that. It was a pretty small, it was like a four-hour run or five-hour run. And I did that run and we raised a few hundred dollars. And I, and I thought, okay, this that was really good. But it wasn't very difficult. And then for some reason, the idea came into my head to run across the island. I was kind of looking at Google Maps. I thought, hang on, if I've just done 30 kilometers without really training that hard, surely I can do 85 because it's only just over, well, it's nearly three times, but I thought I could do, I trained hard, I could do 84 kilometers, which is a double marathon. And then I made this mistake, the fortunate mistake of putting it on Facebook. And, um, and then I met Duncan in my cafe and he said, look, Tom, if you're going to do this crazy run, why don't, why don't you raise money for Classroom of Hope? And then... I thought well, that's brilliant. And a friend of me helped make a video for free and we put that on Facebook and that started to get a lot of interest. We started to raise a bit of money. And the minute a few of my friends had chipped in 20 quid or $50 to sponsor me on the run, I couldn't really back out. So then 10 weeks later, I found myself on the north coast of Bali, which is pretty deserted, at sunset with an 84k run ahead of me. And uh, the first 20 kilometers was a 6,000 feet climb from the kind of really stunning beach, tropical beach, to the top of Bali. It's actually pretty cold and wet and with pine trees, and it's, it's a strange kind of different climate. So I found myself at midnight <laughs> just having climbed 6,000 feet with another 40 miles to go, thinking, oh, my God, what have I done? But it, was an it was an amazing experience, and not without its challenges. But we got to the end, and we ended up raising $10,000, and everybody it kind of caught light and captured people's imagination. So pretty much the, the same day that I finished with, and how we had this kind of finish line celebration on the south coast Duncan and I sat, sat down and said Look, let's do this again next year and, and try and get a small team together and try and raise a hundred thousand dollars so that's where we are now and, and that's happening in May this May in, in nine weeks time so super exciting yeah in terms of the admiration I've got for you for running is one thing but doing it in Bali I when we were over last year because my husband was training for a marathon when we were over mm -hmm. And he would go out and do his run. We were based in Sanur, which is nice and flat. And I went, I can, he got up every morning at about six. I got up on the first morning at about six. And I, <laughs> I, bet, I mean, I think I probably ran about six kilometres. But even at that time, the heat was just, oh my gosh. And knowing myself and, you know, how so much of Bali is just volcano. It's that steep up and down and up and down. Yeah. So yeah, full of admiration for what you're doing you know thanks um, yeah, thanks. definitely and so 
it started off with a bit of an adventure, a bit of a challenge and a, a fundraiser for Classrooms of Hope. Then you sat down and decided, let's do it again. What made you then think, right, actually, there's more mileage in this. I'm going to set this now up as a business as well. What, what was that? I, mean, it's, I think it's, it's a really good question. I guess I, I was on a bit of an endorphin high after, after the run and, <laughs> and just felt really good about myself. I'm like, okay, I've got to, this, we have to do this again, which is so much fun. I think it became obvious. And my and the charity partners, so Classroom of Open, another charity we're involved in who benefit from it. And they're, they're pretty switched on people and they, they're big on, and, and their, their goal is to make it sustainable. And I think... Mm-hmm for them having a social enterprise working with them really helps them because then we can build this event into a sustainable commercial enterprise that does generate profit and also therefore can run for five to ten years mm-hmm. or more and then they've they've got an asset and a partnership they've they've helped develop that can give them a, a reliable fundraising revenue stream so I guess the smart charities are trying to obviously like operate like good businesses as in have predictable revenue streams and a good growth strategy. And by partnering with people, I guess like me and what I was doing, they get to leverage their contacts and their networks that they have on the island with someone who can bring in a new form of value and engage people. I think a lot of charities feel that, I think that a lot of them get scared of, of getting donor fatigue. So if they can operate, if they can do things under other people's brands, they quite like it. And I can understand that now. Even mm-hmm. raising money for the second year running for the same organization, you just get a sense of you have to innovate as a not-for-profit to keep people engaged. So I think this run is, is just an attractive story for them to be part of. Definitely. And what you're describing is just a fantastic example of really good collaborative partnering between a charity and a business. And I know we we were having a little conversation before we went live as well about what is a social enterprise. And just to sort of clarify what the actual structure of what you're doing, it's very much like what I talk about in the gift of profit model, isn't it? Where you have a, it's a commercial business, but you're putting social impact really at the heart of it. So it's it's adopting that kind of definition of social enterprise, if you like, isn't it? It's that, I think one of the things you said earlier, which I loved was about how as entrepreneurs, we hate being putting in boxes. And I just thought that was so true. Yeah, I think that's right. I think definitely within the DNA of this project is a desire to give back to Bali because it's, it's an amazing place to be. And I definitely feel a sense of privilege by coming here with Western currency and, and the Westerners here do have a privileged lifestyle. And we get so well looked after by the locals. And I think it's really important if you come in with, with privilege like that, that you, that you take a chance to do something that gives back. So I de- definitely within the DNA of, of the Bali Hope Ultra is that intention. And then, yeah, I've just created a, a private limited company based out of Singapore. And in the constitution, 50% of our profit goes to the back to the charities we support. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think beyond that, what I think the other two things I'd say is with the partnerships I've got with our charity partners, we've just got a policy of like complete transparency. So I, I run an open book policy with them. So they see all of my revenues and all of my costs. And then what we've been, what they've been, and they're really, you know, I think really for the long term and they're like looked on, Let's agree what we think is a fair revenue for you personally from this event and a fair amount for your business to retain after the first event it does so it can sustain itself for the long term. And then we'll just, anything beyond that, we can either give back to the charity or we can. So it's it's just a really huge amount of trust, huge amount of transparency, a real sense of win-win. And it's just been such a nice business relationship, probably the one I've enjoyed the most because everyone's just been generous and open. And 
And I kind of always wish that was more common in business because I'm, mm. I'm a terrible negotiator. And I think there's kind of, there should be more common sense in business, but quite often there isn't. And I'm just really loving this relationship. So yeah, really collaborative, really generative. And I guess one fear I've had about partnering with charities and raising money for charities is to get a, is to have, I guess I'm scared of anybody thinking, where's the money going and is it all going to charity? So having the kind of transparency and openness is just a really fundamental part of, I think, anything that people do with fundraising for charities. You've just got to be, just got to demonstrate real clarity to the fundraisers and the, and the public. Definitely. One of my previous guests was actually a friend from Scotland who runs a company called Social HQ, but her interview was all around and transparency for business and transparency for causes. And it is so important. And I think as businesses, we're getting slightly better at that, but there's a lot more that all of us can do. And I would include myself in that. So could you talk through, you know, you're going to be doing this, the Bally Hope Ultra. We know that you've got 15 people, is it 15 people that are coming to do this run what is that what's all happening and what kind of impact are you hoping to have through it so basically we've designed a seven-day experience in bali and we've developed partnerships with some of the island's best hotels and the island's kind of best restaurants and we've designed a seven-day experience for the runners where they're going to have a really amazing time on the island so they're going to have a good time kind of in the sense that it's going to be a bit of a tourist experience at first but also we're going to take them all to the community that where the money's going so they can meet some of the children who've come through the classroom of hope program before who've now got amazing jobs in and in in supporting their families so they'll see they'll really see the impacts of, of funds they're raising and then in the middle of the week we do the run so we run overnight and then big celebration at the end so they get to see bali they get to really understand the impact they're having and they get to celebrate something they've done as an individual that really makes a difference and and they, I guess we'll, we'll build 15 new friendships um, with the other runners. We've got people coming from Finland, Singapore, Australia, America, Egypt, the UK. So it's a really great mixture. And it's more than 50% of the running team is, is female, which is very cool. And yeah, and then everybody's got a fundraising target of minimum $5,000. So and some people, are, we think some people are going to raise more because we've got a couple of quite, um, famous is the wrong word, but quite well-known runners coming who've got big followers on social media. So we're pretty confident we're going to collectively raise $100,000, which will find 100 kids through primary school. And then next year, we'll hopefully do a slightly bigger event to get an even bigger impact. And I guess the other side is the charities that we're partnered with, Glasgow and Faith and Bali Children Foundation, are really kind of charities you want to work with. They're really in touch with the grassroots and dropping money out of a helicopter. They're really, get, they're really getting... They're deep in with the community and they've got great relationships with the communities. They know where the money, exactly where the money goes and who it benefits and their reporting and their transparency with their fundraisers is amazing. So it's just a real pleasure, I guess, as an entrepreneur or as a social entrepreneur to see how these charities operate. Because frankly, you could probably better describe social enterprises than charities. And charities feels a bit of an analytic word actually sometimes. Because mm-hmm. what the founders of these organizations have done is really entrepreneurial. They've just identified a problem and found an in- innovative way to solve it. Yeah, it should it's, be an amazing seven days. It sounds an incredible seven days. It really does. But it's fully booked now, isn't it? Oh, you've got everybody yeah. there for this year. Yeah, we are. <laughs> Actually, we've had a few applications for 2019. So <laughs> you can leave the name if you want to come next year. So, and actually, yeah. just to, I'll get a little plug in. We um 52 mile overnight run. It's pretty intense. And it's not. It's a pretty niche market, frankly. Yeah. You, spend, you do that on the holiday. So next year, 
I think we're going to introduce a relay element where you have a team of two and they each run. So that might be a way to just make it a bit more accessible because 52 miles is kind of crazy. Definitely. Well, I was thinking when you were speaking earlier on, maybe if Tom Rana run that Ubud to coast one that he did off, I mean, maybe I could do that. <laughs> I mean, I'm still, I'm still building up for a, a half marathon in Edinburgh where it's lovely and cool. <laughs> But you never know. I think a lot of it's in the mind. And actually, there's ultramarathons that are... <laughs> the longest ultramarathon that exists is 250 miles. Oh, my Lord. When I did it in 52 hours. So in the scheme of things, our run is actually pretty small beer. Yes, yes. So when we talk about impact, I know that you're doing, you've got other conscious thoughts around the decisions you're making with things like the hotels you're staying at. Could you maybe just talk through a little bit around your thinking and how as business owners, we can have more impact through making smart choices about our suppliers? Yeah, so of course, so Bali has, I mean, the the issue of plastics and reducing waste, everyone knows that's becoming more and more, such a, a more and more pressing issue. And in Bali, it's to be frank, it's pretty out of control. I guess, first of all, the the infrastructure here has never really been invested in. So the recycling infrastructure is really poor. Culturally, I don't think they really necessarily understand the impact of littering and and waste. Thirdly, the corporates who sell in products here quite often just over-package everything. So there's just lots of small bits of plastic that things are packaged in. So, So this beautiful island is really getting drowned in plastic. And when you live here, you kind of get used to it. But when you visit for the first time, it is pretty shocking. And it's really starting to become big on the agenda. So I think the responsibility we have booking 20 hotel rooms and being a reasonably sizable customer for some of these hotels is to start to insist that they take, you know, take all the plastic water bottles out of the rooms and replace them with a, with a sustainable system and all those little shampoo bottles and the soap things that we'll sometimes nick and put into our wash bag actually we help them move away from that because I think I think that's our responsibility. And I think as businesses, I guess it's the first time I've really been aware of the impact business can have on issues like this beyond just fundraising. And on hindsight, I wish I'd done more in my previous businesses with my supply chain to make it more more conscious and more sustainable because and without being too eco, we have to change something. I think everyone agrees on that. Yeah, totally. I think, you know, we can all look back on hindsight and realise we could have been different. But I think all of us as individuals, we're living in a time now where we just are getting more and more educated on this, which is wonderful. At the point where it, where the impact that we're having on the environment or any other impacts that we want to have, at the point that that becomes in, comes into our own awareness, that's the choice point, isn't it? I can yeah, remember. Yeah, I guess it is yeah. an awareness thing, isn't it? And yeah, it's the awareness. And we're changing as consumers. And I think one of the things that a lot of business owners maybe just haven't consciously made that connection about is we are starting to be far more conscious about the choices we make as individuals and as consumers. But let's also put that into our businesses too. It's just so easy, so easy to be doing that too. I think as a consumer myself, I love it when companies push the, ba- push the boundaries and take a leadership position on this stuff. It's really attractive, I think. Yeah. customer to see a company whose services or products are used to see them doing that because i think when corporates step up and start pushing change it does have a huge impact so yeah it's exciting yeah. to see it i think a lot of what's pushing corporates actually is also consumers in fact there was a report just recently that showed that 91 percent of consumers employees and investors are pushing businesses to do things different and something like a third of all investments across the world is now in its social socially good companies wow that's good yeah it's exciting, yeah isn't it? i guess yeah. as big as the problem is it, it is exciting to see the change happening and the definition of socially good obviously is variable but it's on the agenda more the need for businesses to do good and that's a good thing and we're starting to see changes 
So how has taking this on changed you as a person? Hey, I think as an individual, I was really, I really needed something bigger than myself to be involved in. Anyone, I can only speak for myself, but I think humans need a purpose. My life was comfortable and easy and fun and slightly empty. So basic level, my self-esteem definitely has improved. I think, I guess all of our self-esteem, we all feel better about ourselves when we're doing something that we really believe in and connects us to people that we like being around. So on a selfish level, I'm definitely a lot happier. And I think, and then when that happens, lots more good things happen too. So I've much better shape physically. I managed to bring into my life an amazing woman, my girlfriend, uh, quite recently. So if I look back at my life before I did that run, after I had that breakup and I was kind of, I was thinking of going to pub and having a couple of beers. Yeah, my life is totally different. I couldn't actually, you know, without getting too emotional, I can't actually believe how much things have changed and how much happened. Mm. And the sense of possibility I've got, other events we can do and bigger impact we can make. So now I feel so lucky that, that I've met the people I've had and I've made the partnerships I've had and I found something that resonates with me. So I feel very lucky because it's been a like a huge, huge difference in my day-to-day living. Yeah, and you can hear that. You can hear the way that you've just told the story and also in terms of the possibilities that are ahead. I think what's also important is just to acknowledge that decision point, that pivotal moment for you of do I go to the pub or do I go out for a run? Because I'm sure all of us have pivotal moments, possibly almost every day, sometimes a bigger pivotal moment than another one. But it's about breaking those habits, isn't it? That it, For things that aren't the way we want them to be, just do something slightly different and you just don't know where that's going to take you if you put your energy into something that's more positive. Exactly. And I think what I was finding experiencing in my head was I kind of lost interest in doing a business just to make money for myself. I just couldn't get out of bed to do that. Now that I'm doing a business that's making a big difference, the better this organisation does, the more comfortable I'll be financially. I'll never, yeah, I'll never be buying a Porsche or mm-hmm. a second home. But the idea of growing this organisation I've got now is so exciting because I can not only feel the sense of satisfaction from building a successful organisation, but also it's directly linked to the impact I make, less privileged than me. So it's, it's just a really nice win-win. And I guess as it gets bigger and we do more events, we've got some ideas for some events linked to environmental issues don't involve running two miles. So that might be more attractive mm-hmm. to some people. On this journey, I'm going to meet more and more kind of interesting people who are making a difference and it's a great way just to explore the world and just be engaged in important issues so yeah I feel super lucky and again it's still taking it step by step but yeah I really feel like I'm in a bit of a groove so it's good. No it's brilliant and wouldn't it be good if as an individual as a person we measured our own success by our impact instead of needing to have the money or the next car or whatever it is that, that we can say yeah. that, that we don't measure our happiness and success in these things. But if we go and if we're chasing them, then we are. And I remember when I wrote my first book, Heartitude, which was all about happiness and success. And I can remember looking up that definition of success. And the, one of the Collins English Dictionary at the time said it's the attainment of wealth or fame. And I was just like, no wonder the culture and the world is totally effed up, you know, because if everybody's chasing, and I don't think everybody is chasing that, but a lot of people are chasing the money in the hope that it will make them happy. But what you've just described is just, it's different experience, but similar to what I experienced, which is when we actually start to connect to something that's bigger than ourselves. And for me, that was, I just had enough of having my, and I was running a business and I was successful, like you, something missing went off to Rwanda and all the humanitarian trips I did out there. That experience of giving and connecting took me on a journey that was far more enjoyable. And yes, you know, don't get me wrong, it's taken me a few years to work out, well, how do I 
work, bring in that social impact and still have a sustainable business. But yeah. actually, it's every day I am just full of gratitude, full of gratitude yeah, for the life that I have. Yeah, because the day-to-day journey is really meaningful as opposed to totally. my, my previous experience after my MBA was starting a business, building it up and then selling it. And I did that. My most empty day in my business career was the day after I sold my business. I just thought, just felt so empty. I had this money in my bank account. I just thought, hang on, this is messed up. This is, this is not what I was told it would be like. Because I guess I grew up in the 80s and Richard Branson and Mrs. Thatcher and that whole thing of, yeah, where sex success was defined by money and being in the newspaper or something like that. And yeah. for most people, when they experience that, it's not a satisfying experience in the end. So, yeah, I think it's enjoying the journey because entrepreneurship is it's tough at times and there isn't really an end to it. You might have an, an end where you sell a business, but actually selling a business can be a pretty sad moment because the amount of energy we put into things is rarely replicated or represented by the money we get. <laughs> because the energy it takes is just is our life force and money is just a, a kind of a way to mainly buy objects yeah but it's what's important is knowing how to be happy first and I guess that leads on to you've mentioned before about how entrepreneurship rather than being seen as an individualistic endeavor can actually be used to build community shared wealth and social progress and that is what you're really talking about and what you're about isn't it yeah I think so I mean yeah, I guess that is what I'm talking about. I think entrepreneurship gets a bad name because it's seen as individualistic of pursuit, something that's selfish and materialistic. And yeah, I think, I guess I'm, maybe I'm a slow learner, slow learner, but the power of entrepreneurship is really to bring people together and build synergy and build impact and progress and wealth for, for everybody. I guess when we connect to that, it's just a great feeling and it becomes... With that, we get that multiplier effect where everybody wants to kind of contribute more and build more. And, and I'm getting a glimpse of that now with the team I've got on this project. Mm-hmm. And it's really, really beautiful to see. So, Yeah, definitely. I don't think you're a slow learner at all. <laughs> it comes back to we all come to a point, And I think at the moment, even though you're, this venture is quite new to you still, mm-hmm. what you're doing is still leading and way ahead of the majority of business owners and entrepreneurs who don't feel ready or don't know how to embrace social impact in a way that is sustainable. Yeah, it's an interesting one, but it's an interesting point because although every organization can improve its social impact and can make sure its supply chain is more conscious and more sustainable, I do think there's something about DNA of an organization gets set when it's conceived and when it's originated and when it's Mm -hmm. started. It is kind of hard to change that. I do think I do think there's some truth in that in the sense that Goldman Sachs will never be a social enterprise. It might give some money to charity, but the DNA of that organization is to maximize profit at kind of any expense and cultural revolution in that organization. I think it's always going to maximize profit. So I guess that's a definitely a debatable point, but I think it's... Yeah. I think organizations, I think, their culture is really important. And changing an organization's culture is difficult, even if there's only 10 people in it. Definitely. And I think that's why I love working with the small to medium-sized companies, and particularly the small ones, where there's just so much more agility. As an individual entrepreneur or business owner, when we start to do something different, our personal brand changes. And our personal brand yeah. is so wrapped up with the brand of our business. And we can, re- you know, entrepreneurs reinvent themselves all the time. We can go through a rebranding exercise. There's lots we can do. And that's what the wonderful, playful part of being an entrepreneur is about, isn't it? Yeah, I guess that's right. With that change of intention, then I think my experience has been then we start to attract just better clients and better partners, yeah. and better suppliers. And then that's just a much more fun experience. Yeah, totally. To negotiate on every margin and every cost. So 
And I guess that, yeah, I guess so the opportunity to become, to make, for any entrepreneur or business owner to make their business more conscious and more impactful and more fun is, yeah, that opportunity is definitely there. Definitely. And I know that you've used the internet a lot and the internet and social media as a way of getting out what you're doing. And you talk about that being a powerful tool for change. What's that about then? I have an Instagram account. I have a Facebook page. I'm 45. So I, I was also, I've been using these things for a while, but I'd never really, I'd heard about the power of them, but I'd never really experienced the power of them. So what we did was we made a short video, or a friend of mine who's pretty talented at videos made a short video, three minutes, telling the story of this run. And we all love good stories, and it is a kind of good story. And uh, we posted the video on some free groups on Facebook, so running groups and expat groups and community groups in Bali, so, all, so almost entirely free. We spent about $1,500 on the video. It went viral on Facebook, mm. not, not super viral, but probably 50,000 people saw it. And I think that's because we've got a really good message and it's a really good social impact. So it's been kind of a revelation of the power of, of a great story plus Facebook. Suddenly there's thousands and thousands of people can see something. And we tried some paid, some paid social media advertising, got almost no result at all. So as I socialized my business or as my projects have become more focused on social impact, the spin-off benefit which has been huge, has been all this free advertising, free marketing, and people wanting to help. And, yeah. and it's been amazing. So Definitely. And I think that's the thing. I mean, we all love to share a video that has a strong message, its impact, and especially, you know, with videos. And my gosh, you know, you're in Bali, so we're also seeing somewhere different too. Incredibly powerful. So it sounds like the Ballet Hope Ultra has actually become a way in which you can have a business that embraces the whole part of who you are rather than leaving a part of you at the door. Would you say that's true? It's almost, it's almost a reflection of the good parts of me. I mean, no, no one's all, all good or... All... <laughs> like it's kind of a, a representation of who I really want to be, which is in good shape physically and healthy physically and emotionally and doing something positive that's bringing people together. So I feel really lucky that it's me. I think it is an expression of who I'd like to be. And, and I think other people want to be part of that because it does represent something positive. So... Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Just loved having this conversation with you, but we are coming to the end of the interview. Is there anything else that you would just love to share with our listeners about your experience or if they're thinking of doing something, what would you... I guess, the, you learn, I guess the learning point that, that I wish I'd kind of learned in my career was finding, connecting myself to something bigger than myself where, I, where suddenly all the benefit for me really was seeing something make a difference. And then all the commercial benefits have come as a kind of spin-off from that. So tapping into something bigger than myself really, I found motivating and energizing and allowed me to connect to people in quite a way. ways. So, and I think finding what that is can be very, very obvious or it can be require some kind of personal journey, like just putting on your shoes and going out to decide for a run or connecting to something, some part of you that you may be disconnected from. So yeah, I just encourage, I guess I, I wish to start that earlier. And if anyone, anyone from that insight, that would be great. No, definitely. And I think I agree with that. Definitely. That's been my experience as well. So if people want to find out more about the Bali Ultra or get hold of you or support what you're doing, how can they best do this? Yeah, super easy. Instagram at Bali Hope Ultra or at Tom Hickers. First on Instagram, bali-hope.com is our website. And we've got a Facebook page too, Bali Hope Ultra. And yeah, we love hearing from people. If we can do anything to help, other people doing similar things i'd love to always happy to welcome people to bali and talk about social impact and if i can help anybody who's listening 
please reach out personally and I love to talk. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Tom. I've really, really enjoyed speaking to you and I really appreciate your time. I just think that you and all you're doing is just a great example of what I talk about with Give to Profit and having social impact. And particularly, you know, having the faith and the courage to just act on that desire to go out for a run and to follow up on that chance encounter with Duncan in the cafe and things. Yeah. And just trusting that journey. It's, it just You're just another example of how that can really be amazing from our own personal growth and healing but also in terms of the impact that we can have and the legacy that we can have in the world. So thank you. Pleasure. Really, really great to talk, Alison. Thanks so much and love the work you're doing. So, so thanks for reaching out. Thank you. And thanks to all of you listening to this episode. Remember to check out givetoprofit.com or alison.com for the full show notes plus details of how you can connect with Tom and I. And if you'd like to run, learn how to raise funds for a charity or social cause through your business in a way that is ethical, easy and complies with cause marketing legislation, check out the Give to Profit Fundraising Challenge. It's an online challenge you can do any time with a mix of online training lessons, an online forum and support from me during live Q&A calls. So just go to the show notes at alison.com forward slash E022 to find out more. Until next time, remember business is a great opportunity to be kind and what you do next matters thanks for listening to the give to profit podcast you'll find full show notes for today's show at givetoprofit.com where you can also check out how to join the give to profit member community a special place that you can connect with Alison and other like-minded business owners and entrepreneurs running businesses that are both profitable and doing good in the world or you can join the Gift to Profit Fundraising Challenge to learn how to incorporate fundraising into your business and marketing in ways that are effective, legal and grow your business. To find out more, go to givetoprofit.com. And if you don't already have a copy of Alison's book, Give to Profit, How to Grow Your Business by Supporting Charities and Social Causes, remember you can get a copy on Amazon and the book depository around the world.